If you want to make an impact that can actually make some meaningful change in a demographic, really break the chain of perpetual poverty in some neighborhoods, this is the single best vehicle I have ever seen to accomplish that mission. So we need this academy to grow. And once it gets established and thriving, we need to sprinkle these up and down the state. Only around 30% of California's high school freshmen will go on to get a college degree. So how is the system serving the other 70%, wondered one of today's podcast guests. Not well. So he decided to establish a free public charter school to address the misalignment between K-12 and post-secondary education that has left far too many young people unprepared for life after high school a model that allows student learning to extend far beyond the walls of the traditional classroom by focusing heavily on authentic, real-world learning opportunities. Our other podcast guest took a big liking to the idea and brought along his experience from starting as the lowest-paid shoveler of asphalt to president of the most sought-after construction contracting company in the state. I'm Tony Melandra, NFIB California Senior Media Manager. We're proud to have this podcast supported in part by Five Star Bank, serving customers through specialized banking solutions for entrepreneurs, business owners, and community leaders in Northern California. Kevin Dobson has dedicated his life to education, from classroom teacher to high school principal. He helped develop an innovative school-wide system of support and led efforts to build a dual enrollment program between Atomas Charter and American River College, which led to a 200% increase in applicants. But it is his establishment of the Capital College and Career Academy that most impressed Ken Wenham, today's other podcast guest. After serving in the United States Marine Corps, he began his life in construction as the lowest paid laborer and is now president of Robolin Contracting. Under his leadership, Robolin consistently achieves an annual project portfolio valued at $400 million. I didn't choose construction. It chose me, he says. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. I no longer build projects. I build people. Here to talk with today's guest is NFIB California State Director John Kabatek. Take it away, John. Well, thanks so much, Tony. And it is so great to be here today for yet another really exciting podcast for NFIB California members and just those listening out there from the Main Street community and beyond. And we're so excited to have Kevin and Ken with us today today. And we're going to have such a great discussion about this academy and, and just what it means for small business, what it means for the future for our young people and for people looking for that pathway. One thing I'll mention is, you know, NFIB in our most recent small business economic trends report, kind of a report we do every month on small business trends and pathways and, and where they're coming from, that high up there on their list, in fact, I think in the most recent one of July 2023, they said finding qualified and skilled workers, 42% of the small business community are still finding that to be a real challenge out there. And that's why something like this academy is so exciting. So Kevin, Ken, great to have you with us. Welcome, welcome. How are you guys doing out there? Doing well, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Great to have you. So yeah, maybe Kevin, I'll I'll start with you. You Tell us a little bit about the Capital College and Career Academy. What is it? How did it come to be? And what's it all about? It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, Capital College and Career Academy is a brand new charter high school in North Sacramento focused on hands-on learning, really using the construction trades as an avenue into a career. It came about, I have my background, I was a high school teacher, middle school teacher. I live in North Sacramento and was really, I think it grew somewhat out of frustration. I was just seeing really talented, really creative kids getting to graduation without any tangible real world skills. I used to teach senior economics among you know several other classes and we'd build a resume and, and outside of what we made kids do for their senior project, it was like pulling teeth, it, nothing. And in two months, these young people were going out into the workforce. And statistically, when you look at, at the state of California, it's been like this historically and it reflects national trends. Only about 30% of California freshmen will, high school freshmen, will go on to get a college degree. And yet we have an education system that is so intensely focused on college. It just felt like, you know, we're a huge missed opportunity of, of how are we serving that other 70% of students that aren't going to get a four-year degree in really meaningful ways. And Again, all of what I was seeing in the classroom, what I was seeing as a high school principal eventually was was further reinforced when I continued to see article after article for the need of skilled and trained workforce, particularly in the construction trades. And we know from an education standpoint that hands-on learning works. So it felt like what an amazing opportunity to blend these two things together. So that was the initial driver that led to the inception of CCCA. And that's really cool. And and Ken, I mean, obviously, you know, you being there in the construction industry, tell us a little bit about your business and 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 also kind of how how did this come about with you in terms of the academy and how you found out about it and also how you saw it forming and taking shape. This is really exciting. But from you, from the industry side as well, how do you see it and how did it come about for you? Yeah, this is a great it's a great day for our industry. The day the ribbon was cut and the first kids went into the campus. Obviously, I have a passion for construction. It's all I've ever done. I started out shoveling asphalt right out of the Marine Corps and worked my way up to CEO of the largest privately held construction company in the greater Sacramento area. I always say, I didn't choose construction. Construction chose me. (laughs) When I first heard about a school dedicated to the construction profession, and I actually heard about it from a company I was affiliated with on on the East Coast, who one of their chief estimators happens to be someone Kevin knows very well. And he mentioned it to me and I thought, well, that is really interesting. I owe it to the industry to be involved and and participate in that. And slow walked it a little bit. But then once I finally met Kevin and saw his passion and saw his drive and really understood the entire mission of the school, I thought, man, not only do we need to be involved and support this, we need to do everything we possibly can to get this off the ground. One of the biggest things that sold me on the school and made me so passionate about it was it doesn't pigeonhole a student in a certain direction. I remember the anxiety I felt in eighth grade when the high school counselors would come to the class and you had like five minutes to decide whether you're going industrial arts or college prep. (laughs) And that decision was made right then and there with no guidance. I mean, parents weren't involved back then like they are now. I mean, I don't even think my parents knew where my school was, let alone uh, (laughs) giving me any guidance in my academic career. So I picked call it one way. So what I like about this school is it doesn't pigeonhole somebody. There's, there's, there's a saying that, that, that Kevin uses with this school. It's so true. You know, the college accelerated career prepared. And the line I really like to use Kevin is the the careers of the future aren't blue collar, white collar. They're blue Blue and white. white striped. 
So combining that, and then also, you know, a, a student can decide, hey, my dad was a plumber. I'm going to be a plumber. And halfway through, he goes, you know what? I think I want to design the systems and go be an engineer. He can do that. Or if a, if a gal's like, boy, my dad's a, an electrical engineer. I want to do that. But halfway through, she says, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go out there and, and, and wire up circuit boards and, and panels. She can do that. So it doesn't pigeonhole somebody in one way or another. It really keeps her options open. Yeah. And I got to say from our side of the the trying to get engagement from industry, I think when Ken joined the board directly and, and Roblin stepped in, that was a big turning point, I, I think, from 2019 until fall of 22. Yeah, I'm getting them switched up. But yeah, the fall of 22, I mean, that was, that's three years of beating down doors and anybody that would take a meeting with me, I'm, I'm jumping on the opportunity. And once Ken joined the board and Roblin really came in to support our efforts, suddenly I think it was a different conversation with a lot of industry partners. We started to see more and more folks from industry coming to the table and saying, hey, this is something that we want to be a part of as well. Very cool. And Ken, you know, just you being in the industry out there and, and knowing, I mean, we, we hear from small business owners, the real challenges of finding skilled and qualified work, workforce. Is that something you have historically found at Roblin? And you, what do you hear? What are the things you hear from, you know, your colleagues out there in the construction industry and even the business community out there when it comes to just finding qualified workforce? Why someplace like this academy is so important? What, what are you hearing in terms of those struggles? Yes, finding qualified workers is the topic of every every conversation amongst my industry peers. In fact, you hear people saying, hey, I would, I would love to grow more. I have the capital. I have the market share. You hear of people actually turning down work, pursuing certain opportunities because they don't have the qualified resources. And that's a real, real problem. What I think is kind of missing that people is missing in the conversation that, that this school will provide, it's not only the skill, but it's that, is this really what you want to do? Yeah. Because it doesn't help an employer to get somebody in to their business and you spend some time mentoring and training them. And then they go, you know, this construction thing's really not for me. You know, we bring on 15 to six, 18 college interns every summer. And you get college interns who are majoring in construction management. They're dedicating their academic career. And a lot of them are thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure this is what I want to do. Right. So, the sooner we can find that out, and that's the great thing about CCCA is the career exploration. You're going to get somebody who's going to learn, you know, it's, it's just as important to know what you don't want to do in your life to what you want to do. So if people can figure that out early, at least we're getting now people coming into our industry who are not only tooled up from an academic and, and skill standpoint above and beyond what we'd find just pulling somebody off the street, but they've been through enough career exploration, job shadowing that they go, you know, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. And I think that's a piece that's going to have a, a lot of people aren't talking about that, but I think that's going to have a huge impact to our businesses when these, these graduates hit, hit the job market. And think about, it, I mean, that from the education standpoint is just another huge disservice is the current model, that exploration of what do you want to do happens after high school. Yeah. And you use the example of the, the college interns, they're racking up debt as they're doing that. Or those young people that end up maybe having a kid really early in life. And now the stakes are exponentially higher. And I think that's how we get people into jobs that they don't love. And it's, it's, you know, just, I have to be here. Some really interesting statistics out there in, in the construction trades. I think it's a period one apprentice when we started this was the average age was 28 years old. 
fast forward, that was 2019. Here we are in 2023. That number is up, I think, 33 years old now. And so you're talking 12, 13 years of your life where you know people aren't generating income to the degree that they would if they were you know right out of high school. Yeah. How do you, Kevin, maybe you can tell me a little of this. Like, how do you get students to come into the program? And then just walk us through it. I'm sure every student's a little bit different, like a, like a fingerprint or a snowflake. But talk to us a little bit about how, how students come into the program. And then, like, what is the average timeline for people that are enrolled in the academy? Yeah, so we, we are starting with just the ninth grade. So in terms of the, the timeline of enrollment, our, our applications typically begin, well, they end of September, beginning of October is when they open up for the following school year. Yeah. And then we'll keep enrollment you know, going as long as we have seats available. We can enroll students pretty much through their freshman, sophomore year. But by the time we get to our junior, senior, where students are moving into paid internships, it's, it's a little more tailored to the individual need, typically not taking transfers. We don't envision taking transfers after probably that very beginning of junior year, just because it's become so individualized and it'd be very difficult to meet some of the graduation requirements. I will say, just given the, the audience of the podcast, what is fascinating with a charter school is that you're in education and you don't typically associate that with a business. But we as a charter school are a public, it's a free public school that anybody can attend, but we can't generate tax revenue for facilities. And so we went out, we acquired a, a property, had a significant construction project. All of that was done through a tax exempt bond. And so unique with a charter school is that you are a public school. It is free to attend. We receive state revenue per pupil, so for, for attendance purposes. But at the same time, it's still this entrepreneurial endeavor, and it is a small business. And I'll say that, you know, right now the school's open. I'm doing lunch service. I do traffic duty. I'm teaching a class. And I mean, that's the stuff that I love, but it's, it's you're wearing a lot of different hats. Yeah. If I can jump into when, you know, you ask about how you attract students, that's, that's going to be the big, that's the big push, right? I mean, because as Kevin mentioned, most people are entering the construction trades in their late 20s, early 30s. It's not something they're thinking about when they're 12, you know, construction historically, the trades have been something that you've, you've, you fell into as a last resort. It wasn't top of mind. Right. But getting that message out there that there, it is a very respectable profession. It's very rewarding. I mean, the sense of accomplishment you get at the end of the day of a job well done is, is, is pretty unmatched. If you want to see the fruits of your labor on a daily basis and it's very lucrative. And also, you know, you get to use your brain. You know, people think that there's this misnomer that, you know, construction workers or, you know, we used to say that when I started in the industry, hey, I hired you from the neck down. Don't think, just do, <laughs> right? We, we're not like that anymore. It took me a generation to get our superintendents to quit saying, hey, I need a set of hands over here. No, you need a, you need a, you need a human being, all of them, not just their hands. So there's work that the industry has to do to, to, to market ourselves as a, a professional, respected industry, but then getting that message down to where students who are in junior high are thinking, wow, you know, in, in, in just a few short years, in five years, I could, I could be, you know, making as much money as my parents combined. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece that two things. One, we bill ourselves really as a school focused on hands-on learning. And if, if a kid likes working with their hands and being a tactile learner, they're going to find something that gets them excited in the construction trades. 
And then, you know, that, that messaging has to carry over to parents. We have a huge focus on getting young girls into STEM careers, yet I still have had moms of daughters that go, well, what, this is great, but what about the careers for girls? And I'm like, this is an industry for women as well. And so there's a mind shift that I think, you know, some of the parents and the educating that we're doing on our end, that, that this is a, a great school. And then to, to Ken's second point there, what we found is, is that certainly those hands-on learners are the students that we're attracting, but it's also getting students to recognize the opportunity. I mean, this high school is unlike any other. You can take college classes. You can get a career right out of high school. You're getting paid internships twice a week. You're, you're off campus. And, and so really getting students to recognize in eighth grade the opportunity that exists. And, and so much in eighth grade for a you know, 12, 13-year-old, they just want to know where their friends are going. So We'll be right back with more right after this. Hi, I'm James Beckwith, President and CEO of Five Star Bank. We are excited to help bring you this series of podcasts focused on small business concerns in conjunction with the NFIB. When Five Star Bank was founded in 1999, it was business and community leaders, local entrepreneurs, who wanted to create the sort of personalized banking services they desired themselves. Services inspired by partnership and defined by shared vision and goals, a true understanding of the needs of small business owners. I know a meaningful relationship with a banker can be hard to find. At Five Star Bank, we are responsive, understand your business, and are committed to your success. We want to be a part of your growth and a valued partner supporting your vision and your dreams. You'll find direct access to a banker, complete online and mobile business banking you need to succeed. As an SBA preferred lender, let us help you with your startup business or existing business. If you're looking to make a change, please give us the opportunity to demonstrate what our personalized banking services could mean for you. I promise you individual attention from our colleagues who understand your business and are as committed to your success as you are. You can find us online at fivestarbank.com. You know, Ken hit the nail on the head. What you are doing is probably kind of a blue and white stripe realm. But, you know, in your opinion, as you're kind of looking at this, what, you know, what, what is it you think, and talking to the small business owners out there and the, those folks out there looking to hire, you know, what is it you think small businesses will get out of a, a curriculum like this, you know, versus one of our more linear traditional education pathways? Maybe you've already answered it a little, but what, what would a small business owner get out of this kind of a curriculum? And the student, the product, the actual student, right. the people. You know, <laughs> great, great question, because I think we'll start with the student. I mean, the student is going to walk out off the campus with such a broader sense of the business world, the industry and its a whole, and, and the exposure to multiple careers. Because the, the college, the, the academy is focused on the construction industry, but people are also going to get exposed to all aspects of running a business. You know, we have a marketing department, we have an HR department, we have a legal department, accounting, finance. You know, there is a lot of aspects that go into it. So they, they, the students are going to get an unparalleled sense of what's out there. When, when I graduated high school, I thought there was like four careers, you know, fireman, uh, policeman, teacher, engineer. I, I didn't know what was out there. We were never exposed to any of that. So I think meeting the industry, and they're going to have a ton of contacts in the industry. 
and they'll develop mentors. So all that stuff's super powerful. Now, the other small businesses, no matter what your business is, if you're looking to hire somebody, the education, the the hands-on, I can actually do things with my hands, I can solve problems, I can visualize, yeah. you know, the 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 employee base, I, 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 I foresee, you know, of course, I'm, you know, I'm here representing the construction industry, I want to have a pipeline of qualified applicants into my industry. But this is going to help anybody looking for an employee. If I owned a feed store, I would want to hire a, someone graduating from CCCA over any other public high school. And I would say one of the things early on when we were developing CCCA that we heard time and again from employers was this pervasive frustration around a lot of the workforce development initiatives that are out there, whether that be higher education, the, the K-12 world. Yeah. And so what is really unique with this model, to piggyback off what Ken was saying, is that a young person is paired with an employer. I think we recognized almost after our first conversation that there was no way as a single site high school, even if we had endless resources, that we were going to be able to adequately train a young person for a career. That's what industry does. They know how to train their employees. And so both our board members, the conversations we had, what we continued to hear was just, we want graduates that can communicate, that has a work ethic, and that can show up on time. I mean, those three things, if they do that, we'll teach them everything they need to know to be a successful employee. Neat. You, you talked about the businesses out there like Roblin and, you know, the partners, there's nothing nothing quite like a community of partners, right? And supporters. We've obviously, we got to know you all through our great partner, uh, Five Star Bank, who's been helping us with these podcasts and they, you've been working with them and certainly Roblin and others. But tell us if, if you're comfortable, this is a, a good time, an opportunity, gentlemen, if you want to name drop, you got some good other good partners in the community that have, that are making this academy possible. And it's good to hear that for businesses to know, to be inspired to help whatever they want to do to help get young people or, or just students ready to go. What are, some, what are some other partners out there that have been helping to get this academy off the ground? Yeah, I'm still blown away by the, the people that are on our board that have been supportive of, of the work we're doing. It is too many in terms of not just board members, but others outside of that. I mean, there is so many industry partners. It's too many to list. Just involved in, in terms of the board. I mean, we have McCarthy Building Companies, the Western Steel Council, Caltrans is on our board, SMUD's involved. We have Sac State. We have the past president of Women Construction Owners Executives USA and, you know, their entire network of, of individuals. We have the Sacramento Regional Builders Exchange that's been involved for a long, long time. Tykert, Granite, I mean, pretty much all of the, the major GCs in the area. And then we have the various apprenticeships that are also have been a part of this. NorCal Carpenters, so we have Local 447, the Plumbers Pipefitters that are involved. So it, it's it's surreal, I think, to to really step back and just see the amount of industry support. And I think it also speaks to the amount of need for a model like this. Yeah. yeah. It's fun at the board meetings too, because yes, I'm sitting there with some of my competitors, but we're not competitors when it comes to helping kids. Yeah. No. Right. It's kind of like safety. We have a motto at Roblin that I don't care what color your hard hat is when it comes to safety, we're getting you home safe. Same with this mission. We're all at that table. Because a, lot, a lot's been talked about feeding the pipeline of the industry and, and the workforce. But there's, there's another aspect that was really, I must tell you, was the tipping point for me personally. And with this audience, this is my appeal to everybody in, in business. If, if you want to make an impact that can actually make some meaningful change in a demographic, really break the chain of perpetual poverty, some neighborhoods, this is the single best 
vehicle I have ever seen to accomplish that mission. I know there's a lot of people in government who work really hard and try to do good things, and I'm not talking about them, but the political system has not solved this problem. And this will solve that problem. So we need this academy to grow, and once it gets established and thriving, we need to sprinkle these up and down the state. So that's a long, maybe short-term goal and gain that you're looking at, Ken, and, and Kevin as well, is to kind of replicate this around the state, which is exciting. If I'm hearing correctly, what do you advise small business owners? You know, I mean, I think you did that just now a little bit, but as they're thinking and looking at models like yours, any community and, and looking to hire these skilled and prepared employees, what advice do you, each of you, I'd love to ask each of you that question. What advice do you give small business owners as they're trying to really, number one, is they're struggling to try and find quality people. And number two is if you look at models like yours that they, you know, as they, they might be prone to jump into. What would you tell them? Well, I think the first thing is people need to quit looking at the traditional pipelines for, for labor. We, we really just have to look broader. We have to get more creative yeah. and we need to take an active role. You can't just sit back and, and, and complain about, you know, the, the lack of qualified people. In fact, I get, I get tired of people talking about it. It's like complaining about the traffic on the 405. Yeah, we, we, we get it. It's there. It's going to be there every day. So what are we going to do yeah. about it? So I, my advice to people is, you know, get, get involved, get creative. If you're personally not going to do something, throw your support around some people who are and, 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 and do something proactive to uh, find an alternative or unique channel to get people excited about getting into this industry. And then I, I would say that kind of echoing what Ken said, that engagement from industry in some capacity to that K-12 world is really helpful. We, we certainly hope that this is a solution for some of the challenges within in, in K-12. And, you know, by having an industry partner, it could be as simple as just if you're an estimating company coming in and, and having a math class do a presentation to you. I mean, these are things that are not time intensive, but to be able to give a young person an authentic audience or to hear from somebody outside of those four walls of that classroom, it, it makes learning more relevant, more engaging. And suddenly, you know, when they turn 18 and they're wondering, where do I go and work and what does that look like? You know, there's some maybe return on investment by, by having some involvement in the school so the kids know that, hey, this is a tangible pathway for you. Yeah, very cool. Well, you know, that's really great, great commentary, I think. Let me ask you, gentlemen, I mean, as you've been going about kind of getting this off the ground, any any interesting anecdotes or stories you've either hear, heard from students that are coming into the program, pa parents, you know, other small business yeah. owners out there, what, any stories that come to mind that were kind of like, wow, this is what makes it all worth it for us to put the Triple C A Academy together here? I think for, yeah, for me personally, I've, I just got off the phone as I was driving over to the studio today with another parent. And I've heard this time and again from every single parent that I've talked to. And they said, my kid's excited to come to school in the morning. And I think that makes it worthwhile. Kids are happy. It's a place where they are being seen and heard and they feel valued. And I think for a 14-year-old to get up at, you know, 730 in the morning, five days a week and actually come show up and be ready to learn, that's saying something. And then for them to be happy to do that, I think that speaks to just already the, the small impact we're happening, having on, on young people. I don't have those, that observation because I'm not at the school, but I, I, I will just say the, the anecdote that I'll carry with me is, and Kevin doesn't know this and I won't tell him which ones, but about half the board didn't think he was going to pull this off. <laughs> and, uh, and 
it cannot be understated the lift he has done in the last few years and especially the last eight months. It wouldn't have happened without without his dedication and perseverance and, and stubbornness yeah. and, and all the things it takes to and I always said, you know, if Kevin wanted to be the CEO of a construction company, he would he would put us all out of business. So I'm glad he has a higher calling. But the day the ribbon was cut, a few of the board members came to me and said, oh, man, I would have lost a bet. But um, <laughs> so it was not a small task to get those doors open and get those first kids in there. Yeah, it's, it's just I mean, I, I will digress a little bit and just say it's been unbelievable how many times this thing could have went sideways one way or another. And through every obstacle, we've just persevered in one step in front of another. And, you know, I'm not saying there's no more challenges, but it, it's, we're, you know, having been at this since 2019, there's a good lesson in just overcoming some adversity and having some grit. And, and yeah, what, what happens when you put in time and energy and just do that in a consistent basis, the outcome that can come with it. That's pretty cool. And Ken, I probably ask you maybe one final question. You know, you you probably like all small business owners in these past, especially these past years with the pandemic and everything else, people have had highs, lows. What advice in general? You know, a lot of what we hear from small business owners out there still is uncertainty, you know, fragility, kind of questioning what t- tomorrow may hold. You know, you've been one who's weathered storms you know, li- figuratively and literally. What advice would you give just in general to small business owners ra- right now out there? And maybe it is through the lens of something like this academy. What advice would you give them? Be an eternal optimist. I mean, you just you just have to believe that we haven't yet seen our best days yet and that tomorrow is going to be better today. And that's not being naive and that's not, not having your head in the sand, but you, you have to be an optimistic person. I think Kevin could attest if he didn't have that optimism, this, these doors wouldn't open. And yeah, you can get caught up in all the news and you can, you can get up every day and buy breakfast, think of a thousand reasons why you should sell your business today, but you just need that one reason to keep on going. And it's, it's just the optimism for the future. There are good people out there. We hear the horror stories about, you know, the millennials or Gen Z now, and we, all we hear about is complaints of them. I don't believe any of it. I mean, there's, we, we have some of these young people now that are coming through our doors give me so much hope for the future. I mean, the look on their eyes, there's nothing they can't do if we just give them the tools and a little bit of guidance and then let them run. So I, I am just so optimistic about the future of, of our country based on the young folks that I see entering our doors. And I just ask everyone else to quit focusing on all the bad, be optimistic and, and give these kids a chance. Great, great advice. Well, gentlemen, I thank you so much. This has been a great discussion. I so appreciate both of you. I might ask both of you, there's a lot of folks who are hearing this, want to get involved, probably want to know more about the the academy alone on its own, but also be inspired to talk to you about how they might be able to do something in their own backyard to help small businesses and help our young people. Um, how can they, Kevin, maybe directed at you, how can people connect with the academy, find out more and What's the best way to make that contact and find out more? Yeah, folks can visit our website. It's capcca.org. So it's C-A-P-C-C-A.org. We're also on all the various social media platforms. They can reach out to me directly by email or, or LinkedIn as well. Happy to answer any questions that they have. That's great. And Ken, if people want to find out more about Roblin or just talk to you and get inspired because you, you are definitely a cool and inspiring small business owner. How can people get in touch with, with Ken Wenham of Roblin? 
Yeah. You can visit our website as well at www.roblin.com or feel free to reach out to me direct. My email address is K-E-N-W at roblin.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, message me there, whatever I can do to help. That's excellent. Well, Ken Wenham of Roblin on the board and Kevin Dobson of, I will say, the Capital College and Career Academy. I'll just say triple CA, guys. But regardless, you both are an inspiration with what you're doing. I think you're an example to small business owners out there to who can who are looking to jump in and hire skilled people and to young people who want to jump in and know that there's more than just one way to follow your dreams and make money, but most importantly, make a difference. So gentlemen, thank you so much. Look forward to hopefully having you back at some point. And thank you for sharing and inspiring so many of our Main Street owners out there, but just so many Californians and Americans. And very best of luck to you as you get this off the ground. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to talk about the Academy. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Kevin Dobson and Ken Wenham, for your thoughts and insights for this podcast and for your commitment to a generation of Californians. Again, we'd like to thank Five Star Bank for its generous support of this and future podcasts. You can learn more about Five Star Bank at fivestarbank.com. You can find all NFIB California podcasts at nfib.com slash ca slash podcasts. That's nfib.com slash ca slash podcasts. You can also find our podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching NFIB California. I would also like to thank Multipoint Content Strategies for its production of this podcast. You can learn more about them at multipointstrategies.com. Why podcasts for small business? It's been NFIB's educational mission for 80 years to remind policymakers that small businesses are not smaller versions of big businesses and that a one-size-fits-all rule, regulation, or tax can do Main Street Enterprises more harm than good. We hope these podcasts aid in better understanding. Finally, thank you to our listeners. If you like what you heard, please share this episode, subscribe, and give us a positive rating. We would appreciate it. 